In today's episode, I'm joined with Dr. Gina Miele, professor of Italian literature and folklore, former director of the Cochia Institute for the Italian Experience in America, and the creator of the Italian mystic saints and visionaries oracle deck. Whether you are of Italian descent, a lover of all things Italy, or seeker of universal wisdom, this episode is for you. Hi, I'm Dina, teacher and reluctant puppeteer turned host of La Bifana's Table, a podcast dedicated to the art of sacred hospitality, where each week listeners are invited to feast on real-life stories of hope and healing, as well as soul-nourishing conversations with folks from all walks of life who are utilizing their gifts in both small ways and large to make the world a more beautiful place. So pull up a seat, tell some friends, and become a part of a legendary story. Gina and I traverse a multitude of topics from the pandemic to reconnecting to our ancestral roots, and the stories that make and shape us. So let's jump in. I think I went on social media at the beginning of the pandemic as a way to have constant contact with my students because we were no longer on campus together. So yeah. I you know, entered into this crazy world of social media. <laughs> uh, I don't know what I'm doing to this day, but one of the beautiful aspects is that I've found people online who are reaching out to me saying, I want to learn Italian. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I'm coming back to my, just like what you said, that I'm coming back to kind of an awareness of my own cultural heritage. And I'm looking at it and thinking there's something there for me to learn. And it made me start thinking, what are people seeking? I've been really wondering if the pandemic and that feeling of isolation spurred something in people, this this need to reconnect, not just with the people that we were seeing every day, but to reconnect with something much, much bigger. I haven't figured out the answer to that yet. Maybe you have some, maybe you have some thoughts on it. I mean, we're in a big transition in society. And I think the pandemic was that startling experience that brought us all on a collective hero's journey in some capacity. Yes. So we're all individually and collectively on this journey, right? And so much of the hero's journey is then you go on the journey and and now you share your gifts with the community. Yes, right, right. And now we're a better world, hopefully. And, you know, my creation of La Bufana's Table is the fruit of my own journey. I see. Oh, I love that. But to me, our gifts are are in our roots. There are some ancestral gifts that are deep down in there. Absolutely. And there are people, I mean, you're doing it. Um, Mary Beth Bonfilio is doing this ancestral reclamation with pilgrimages back to Sicily. There are so many ways. And like you said, different. they're all different. Like what you're doing is different than what Lisa's doing, than what Mary Beth's doing, than what I'm doing. But I think we're being called to each other in, in a strange yeah. way. It's like this siren call that we're hearing across the interwebs and we're, <laughs> and we're, and we're responding to it very viscerally. And I'm even responding to it. And the funny thing is, this is what I've been doing my entire life. Mm. So the fact that I'm responding so powerfully just goes to show me that I, you know, I've never done learning. This is a, I've been studying, you know, Italian literature and, and teaching and writing about Italian folklore, literature, and certainly language for 20 plus years mm. and, li- and living at my whole life. This has really just been my own personal experience. and. Yet, to find all of these really dynamic and wise 
people, mm. you know, somehow just, you know, digging and, and uncovering parts of my, my ancestral heritage that I didn't ever think about. Mm-hmm. And that really has just been for me this, like you said, it's, it's put me on a journey that I didn't expect at this point in my career yeah. or in my life. Yeah. It's exciting. It's really exciting, actually. It is really exciting. And I, and I sense whether people can name it or not, I think in the collective there, we're in this stage of transition. I think there is a sense of to get through whatever we're going to get through in these times ahead mm-hmm. is, is by going deeper, getting to the roots. You know, yes. like I have visited many other cultures and I love them, but I was born into the context that I was born into. I'm mm-hmm. not going to like get rid of my Catholicness. I've tried. Yes. Yes. As have I. I'm not going to get rid of these things. They're Mm -hmm. a real aspect of of the place and time that I happen to be born into this human meat suit in. So why don't I I explore that a little bit more and see what it has to offer me? Because if we all travel down our roots, we're going to eventually be like, we're going to know we're all one, (laughs) you know? But I think also like the pandemic for me, I spent a good part of my career thinking about the immigration experience for Italians, mm. right? And look, and looking at the diaspora, and not just from the perspective of a scholar as a writer, but even just in talking to my own family. My grandmother's 99 and a half years old um, and is an immigrant and came here. And so I've, I've written about her and asked her repeatedly about her experience coming to the United States. She was sent to Americanization school, had to learn the language, obviously. We've talked extensively. And yet the pandemic made me understand the experience of my grandparents and great grandparents in a way that I hadn't before. I understood the struggles, of course, not the immigration experience, but the struggles of, you know, being separated from family, for example, right? I was 15 minutes away from most of my family and I couldn't see them for how many, you know, weeks and months that we were, we were separated in our own little homes, locked away. And there was a deep pain in that. Yeah. Um, to spend like a first Easter holiday on Zoom with my family was really, to me, a singular experience that helped me think about truly what it must have been like to come across an ocean and know that you will never see those people again that you left, right? Now, I didn't have to think, I, I think I understood that probably wasn't going to happen in the pandemic. But the pain that I felt in just those couple of months of separation, in comparison to a lifetime of leaving loved ones, leaving your land, leaving your people, leaving everything you knew. So there was this feeling for me of really looking back at the stories I'd heard a million times and Mm. feeling them very, very, very deep within. And that's kind of sent me in a lot of different directions with the things that I'm interested in talking about and writing about and thinking about now. I think that that's that's incredible. And and the notion of also looking at your own work now through this lens of language keeping, you know, my day job, I work with migrant children, you know, who are in transitional phase, they're not with their families yet. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I often, you know, I'm like, yes, guys, you're going to have to learn English. And it's going to be a beautiful thing, because you're going to be able to be bilingual, but, you know, keep it guys, keep don't it, lose. don't think, lose the first language. And yeah. I think so many of us in this American experiment <laughs> that we're all in. Yeah. You know, if you're a couple generations in, 
you know, especially within the Italian community, we were able to assimilate some aspects of culture got lost. So like in the dumpster fire that is going on right yeah. now, like what are we looking back to in preserving? Yes. Like, what are we taking? It's the burning building. Like, okay, I need my language. Yes. I need this. What else do we need to go forward? Which I would also think now this is a pretty good transition for your Oracle deck. What do we in this dumpster fire of, of the world that we're living in and with all of its beauty and tragedy, as we look back, what are we bringing forward? So you have created a deck of the first of this trilogy for Italian mystics, visionaries, and saints. Yes. So please, I would love you to tell me more about this deck and you know who it's for and why does looking at the lives of these people matter right now? It's funny because when you said, you know, language, what are we bringing forward? The first word that came to my mind was is stories, right? So mm-hmm. and that's what got me into folklore. And most of my work as an academic has been on folk tales. So I work on Luigi Capuana, who is a Sicilian author and wrote many collections of folk and fairy tales. And then Itzlo Calvino, who collected regional fairy tales from all over Italy and then created the first, it would be like the Italian version of the Grimm's brother, right? So that, that he collected from all 20 regions and then he put them all into standard Italian and put his own little marks on some of those tales and, and made that first collection. So stories for me have always been grows and is built. So when I conceived of this idea to do these decks, I I was thinking in terms of what has followed me throughout my entire journey. And the first that came to mind was, of course, the saints, because like I mentioned, Padre Pio was this figure in my life that was there from the beginning and has remained. And, you know, my great grandfather was born the same year as Padre Pio in the same town as Padre Pio. And they were friends in the piazza. They played ball together. And my grandmother tells the story that, you know, when my great grandfather came to the United States, He did go back to Italy a couple of times and then finally brought his family over. And he didn't kind of buy into the hype of Padre Pio. Mm. Uh, Because how do you, I mean, really and truly, put yourself in his shoes. How do you believe that the kid you played soccer with, you know, on the, in the piazza has otherworldly powers and has stigmata and is, is speaking to the angels and reading hearts. And, you know, it's kind of, it's a stretch. Yeah. But she does tell the story that he went back at one point to Foggia and he made confession with Padre Pio, closed confession, and he hadn't been been back to Italy in 25 years. She claims that her father, when he went into this confessional as a skeptic, and he came out believing because he claimed that Padre Pio knew who he was immediately in a closed confessional. They hadn't seen each other in 25 years. And he knew many things, one of which he said, you know, my, gra- my great-grandfather hadn't been to confession since he came to the United States. That was true. But many things, and that was the, the story was that Padre Pio could read hearts. And so my mm. great-grandfather began to believe. That was a story. That was a family story that I carried. There's an Italian author. Her name was Natalia Ginsberg. And she wrote a, a book called Lessico Familiare, which means family, family sayings. And She talks about how if you are in a pitch black room, a cave, many, many, many people, how do you find your people? How do you find your family? And the way you find them is somebody says something, a phrase that you always say in your family or a bit of a story. And from across in the darkness, if you hear that story or that saying, Mm. you're guided to your people, right? You know who your people are. And so stories matter and language matters. 
And Padre Pio was one of those stories. And so the the saints and the mystics and then the visionaries who I conceived of as scientists, writers, artists who had a vision Mm. that to me felt inspired, Mm. not just by the worldly, but by something beyond, right? So if you look at the work, you know, if you look at Galileo, I use Galileo, Dante, Artemisia Gentileschi, Leonardo da Vinci, Primo Levi. These are writers, artists that I think contributed something that today still has a message for, and that will always have a message for Mm. us to learn. And so those are the stories that I wanted to share. So what I did is I kind of told a bit of their life stories of all of these saints and mystics and visionaries. And then I kind of thought about what is the message that in 2022 and 23 and beyond, what can we learn? And you don't have to be connected in any way to the Italian culture, right? This is These are stories that we can all hear and understand in a very personal way. And so I shared what transcends the culture that are exactly. that are of the culture, but transcend the culture as well. Yes. So I think I just kind of gave some little cues as to the way that I look at those stories and the way that I take them into my daily interactions. And I'm hoping that what I say might inspire readers to look at not just those stories, but stories of mystics and saints from every culture and yes. visionaries from every culture. And try to emulate in some in some way that spirit, right? That spirit mm-hmm. of kind of living not just for oneself, but for others and for the earth and for all of the creatures that inhabit it. And you know, if we can if we can all just kind of listen a little more closely, you know, to those stories and also just to this, you said it earlier. I don't think we were taping when you said it, but you were saying that mystics are everywhere, right? Yeah. Maybe that was in the, you know, and yeah. I think that. That's true. And so just, I like to just talk to people. There's some mystic flipping burgers right now. Exactly. And how are you going to know unless you talk to that person? Right. So. Right. I think you really, you really nailed that. And I definitely have tapped into what the spirit of what I'm, I'm hoping to be creating here. We're just these like wild stories and they're interconnected and, you know, we want to, our humanness, our human minds want to be like, this and that and all these identities. And while at some point, yes, my identity as an Italian American, as a, you know, recovering or recovered Catholic, mm-hmm. as a, <laughs> at, you know, they have resonance, but there is that beyond. It's like, okay, like for me, La Befana, who will be, is a card in your second. Yes. Oh, yes. so we're already going to see the first trilogy. Then we have to wait for the second for La Bifana to come out. But for me, what the La Bifana has opened so much in my life is, is imagination. For me, the folklore has just like opened up that space of imagination of like, what would La Bifana's table look like in 2022? <laughs> Who would be at the table? Who are the characters that (laughs) are at that? And for all of us to be a part of some, I think so many of us long to be a part of a greater story. Yes. Like, because the story of me is getting, I'm like, okay, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) I'm tired of, you have a story. There's so many people and we're all part of this wild human story that hopefully (laughs) we can, we can, you know, move towards the good, the light. (laughs) Yes. And I love what you said about imagination because it always makes me, it makes me think about 
kind of like that childlike wonder that we lose as we kind of become jaded and become adults and are <laughs> in and of this world. And I think part of my fascination with folk and fairy tales, yeah. and that's also something that I've, I mean, I still have the fairy tale book, my the Italian ones and the English ones written in English and Italian from my childhood. I kept those just, you know, and all the moves and all the clearing out of things that you get rid of. I yeah. kept my fairy tale collections. And I think the reason I've always been drawn to them in, in, in graduate school, my dissertation was on that. And, and I teach a course on this. It's because there's something really comforting, right? Yes. In going back to these stories and then really thrilling about finding iterations of these stories from other cultures. And I don't just study Italian fairy tales. I look at, you know, fairy tales from all around the world. And you're looking at like, where do they connect? Where do they intersect? And where do they diverge? And why? What is it about that culture that, why is this telling inherent to this culture, but this telling comes from this Mm -hmm. culture? But through all of that, there's just something really nice about reading a fairy tale, right? We just feel, we feel secure and we can, we can really kind of think outside of our own story, like you said. And just be be children again. They open up doorways. Yes. And I think the folktale fairy tale in many ways has saved my faith. Mm -hmm. That character has like schooled me in childlike faith. Okay, Dina, like, are you going to, you want the truth, the capital T truth and have these debates with people? Or can we like, where the beauty of fairy tales and folktales or any type of tale is like, there is truth real universal truth within it that we don't have to sit here and like have debates about (laughs) papal infallibility. Like I don't really care. I want to know like how to be a moderately kinder person who can deal with my parents and do decent work in the world. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) She's, she's a great, great figure. I found you actually during pandemic. I have, I have young children Yeah, and you know, and I, when you started um, you had, you had a live event or live on Zoom yeah. event. And my, my youngest daughter was with me when we watched it. Yeah. And for me, that just that, that connection to other people who are celebrating the story of La Bessana, it's funny because that's not a story that survived in the diaspora, yeah. which is surprising because in Italy, um, you know, she was a much bigger deal than Babbo Natale yeah. for, for a very long time. Of course, now, the, the guy in the red suit is all over Italy as well. But how is it that that story and that even just the celebrations around Bifana at Epiphany didn't make it to the United States or to the diaspora? So when, when I saw you doing that, I thought, wow, there's somebody else because we celebrated it in my home. My kids yeah. love Bifana. But you were the first person that I kind of really heard talking about it on a grander scale. Yeah. yeah. It's funny because when you're talking about that, though, think about... So fairy tales, we think about the nursery, right? We think about child and a parent in, in the nursery. But fairy tales didn't originate as children's mm. stories in the nursery. They started as tales that were told in community by a storyteller, yes. sometimes a traveling storyteller, and then other times someone in the family or in the community. So now, you know, we think about the separation of the story into the, you know, it's, it's part of the private world and the private domain. But in fact, it was always part of the public domain, these wow. stories. And so maybe the idea... You know, the message for modern times and the real world in, in quotes again, like air quotes, like you said, is that we need to remember the origins of all of these narratives, these, you know, the oral roots of these narratives and bring them back to community, telling them in community, 
sharing them across communities and across cultures. And instead of isolating Mm. with our own people, right, in private with our stories that we bring them out into the light again, like into the piazza, so to speak. And right. And so or, or at the metaphorical table that extends. Yes, at the, exactly. <laughs> the love right? of fun is table that somehow yeah. extends across time and space. And- yes, yes. And I mean, that's how we, because there is something to be said for being in the audience because the, the storyteller moderates and changes the story depending on who's in the audience, right? So you, mm. storytellers, are, stories are living things. They, if they're static, then they die. If they're alive and they're dynamic and we change them through time and space, then they continue to thrive. Like you're doing with Befana, right? You took a story that at least in the diaspora, I mean, she's very much alive in Italy, right? She's very much still part of the, but in the diaspora, Befana didn't survive. And now you picked her back up and you've dusted her off (laughs) and you, you know, you've put her in some different clothes a little bit, you know, she, you've, you've given her to us in a way that's probably a little, you know, it's, 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 she's informed by your lens and yeah. your story. And, and that's how she's going to continue to get on her broom and fly because if yeah. not, she's grounded, you know, she's not, she's not flying across the Atlantic. So, yeah, we, you know, we, we need people to pick up some of these stories and start telling them again. Mm. And then I always think about Calvino because he, he said that storytellers and talk about not, not giving the quote properly. I haven't, I've only written this a million times, but I'll forget that. <laughs> Um, he said that storytellers are links in an anonymous chain, right? So that every one of us as a storyteller has the right, and he used the word dritto, the, uh, the right to change the tales, right? So that, that if you're looking at a tale from Italy or elsewhere, you are going to tell it in a way that's different than the person that told it before you. And that person told it a little differently than the person before. Right. And, and that is why these tales have endured through centuries. Right. So yours is the perfect example of that. And I think that's why I do what I do as well, because even the lives of the saints that I wrote down, do you know how many versions for each saint I found when I was doing my research? I mean, yes, there was the Roman martyrology for some of them, but others, you know, you're reading multiple accounts or even just the account of Padre Pio that I gave you. That's a family story. And I've heard right. other people tell me their stories. You know, how do I verify that what each person says? Those are, those are personal stories and personal narratives. Should we not tell them because I can't prove that Padre uh-huh. Pio, you know, no, you have to tell those stories, right? So and that, that is really important. I, I think that's where I really appreciate that you are, you have that foot in the academic world. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, who tells? Who gets to mm-hmm. be the teller of the tale, you know? Yeah. And, and that's where I've, where in some senses, you know, as a, you know, person who's constantly wrestling with my faith, it's like, okay, instead of getting lost in this is the correct, because that's like, uh, the human mind wants the correct thing, because now what? Oh, you have the right one, so you're better. Mm-hmm. Right. (laughs) Instead of going, okay, well, this is a version, you know, like how many different versions of people telling their account of what they saw Jesus do? Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Yep. There's multitudes. And like, isn't there some level of truth, some nuance that will be revealed as, you know, and I think we have this problem of like, I think because of just the way that knowledge is, I don't know, like, 
hierarchical in someone's knowledge and validation, institutional knowledge versus this type of knowledge. Like, well, when do you give yourself permission to share the stories? Because that that family story of Padre Pio has something in it. Whether or not it's like the official story or not, your family story of that reveals an aspect of humanity. And it's true. That's a really thorny question. Who has the voice, right? Who gets, who gets the power of voice? And I don't know, I think maybe because I'm, I'm also a teacher um, and I'm, I'm in the classroom every day. And so I think about that a lot, even just the hierarchy of my classroom, that I don't want to walk into my classroom as the authority on everything. That's just not true, right? That's just not true. Right. It's, first of all, it's a lot of pressure. And second of all, um, (laughs) My students have as much to teach me as I have to teach them. So, and I think, I think they would probably agree. I hope that I create an environment in which we know we're all just there sharing and learning together. And I happen to have a lot of knowledge about this, but you have all of these experiences to bring to the table that will inform the way that I teach something or that will change the, you know, change the direction of our conversation. So. I think it was the same with this passion project on the Saints and Mystics and the next one's on Italian folklore, folk magic, folk tales. And the third one is on hidden Italy and these kind of places in Italy that are off the beaten path that have meant something you know, to me or to others that I've spoken to. So some of those places are places that maybe I haven't even been yet, but mm. somebody else told me a story about this particular place, right? So it's all, it all goes back to these personal narratives somehow or other. So yeah, I do think who has the voice. I mean, historically, we know who's had the voice, (laughs) right? But I think maybe you're right. Maybe like through the pandemic and through we're all finding our voices in different ways. And the exercise here and the the lesson for us is like, well, let's let other people talk. Pass the mic, guys. (laughs) Right? Yes, exactly that. Because, you know, I've gotten into some circles. I'm like, okay, Dina, back off of that. That is like not your wheelhouse of like, you know, Oh, I want the capital T truth and your experience is not valid. We have much to learn from the lived experience of each other. Yes. Much to learn. Like there's just so, so much in there, you know, like you can't, you don't know what it is to be another human being, no matter what. I mean, like in your even most intimate of relationships. Yeah. (laughs) You're like, that person is a mystery. (laughs) Yes. And that's why we, that's why we read. That's why we watch TV. That's why we're podcasts, all of these, all of these ways that we are reaching out to kind of tap into somebody else's experience. Why is that anymore? Why is it, you know, reading a book, watching a TV show, listening to, or reading about the lives of the stars and, you know, what they eat for breakfast and whatever else. We're so interested in those lives. Why are we not also kind of turning to the people around us, you know, in everyday situations? I love what you said. I'm going to go back to it. This idea of like the mystics are everywhere. Like, I mean, just the extraordinary and the ordinary, right? Just yes. the, the mystical in the worldly. And I just think there's, mm-hmm. you know, we're so, we're so starved for, for a connection to something bigger than who we are. And it's yes. probably, it's probably just all around us. It, we're it's, looking it's far. Around it. And it was like, sometimes you're like, you know, you look back and you see like, you know, obviously there's miracle stories. Sometimes you need the miracle story to wake you up to the fact like, holy shit, I woke up today. Yeah. What? Exactly. It's so true. Like that's a miracle. Yep. 
<laughs> it really is. It really is. And and I think that's also part of the reason why, you know, we're, for me, I went through this journey of, I, I came from an immigrant family. And then when I went to college and started studying Italian, I went to high culture. I started studying Dante. I started studying mm. Michelangelo. And I kind of, even though I was always interested in the Italian diaspora, the Italian American yeah. experience, and I, I did work on that. I became the director of an Italian American Institute for a while, but I kind of went this, the way of, high culture in Italy. I yes. now I'm like turning my attention back to you know, my great grandfather was a shoemaker. And so was my great, great grandfather. And they were contadini, they were farmers. And like, wow, what kind of extraordinary experiences were they having in their very hard lives? Because I'm sure their lives, yeah. they, you know, they, they didn't have much and I'm sure they struggled, but I'm looking inside that struggle now to see instead of looking at the high, high, I'm just looking at the everyday. Right. And I'm finding as much magic there, if not more. I think so many of us perhaps are just, you know, starving for like influencer status or mm-hmm. fame because we fail to to create the spaces in our own mm-hmm. communities where we actually feel in touch and see people. Oh, that person has real wisdom. You know what yes. I mean? Like we have you know, we live in a society where there's like old, lonely people in nursing homes and bored teenagers. Yes. How can that exist? There is so much around us, but we yeah. like, I feel like we're just like, that's the only way to be seen, you yeah. know? Yeah. That's the only way to have, you know, and it's like, are, are they even really seen? That's a big question. <laughs> I, I, I'm thinking that what you just said about teenagers and people, you know, the elderly and that that seems like something we need to be working on. How do we make this connection outside of families? Because of course, you know, within, again, here we go back to the personal space and the public space. Of course, you know, there are connections mm. between children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren and those those connections hopefully stay strong. But how do you connect your parents, let's say, to my my teenage son? You know, like how yeah. do you, those and are that's, the connections. That's, that's hopefully what we're doing here. You know, hopefully yeah. we're up on his table, like, because yeah, there is the familial, but well, what about when you go outside of it? You know, like yeah, yeah. what I could learn from someone else's grandma. Yes, <laughs> and right. Learning spaces that are different. So for me, like I, I've kind of gone through something of like I went through a thing of like I don't want to be a teacher anymore. You know, like mm. and tried to get rid, and it's like I can't get rid of it. Like yeah, it's it's in I, you. Like, I'm tried to burn that bridge. I was like, oh, I want to be you know this, and it's like. Do, 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 you're still a teacher. Like, okay. Okay. Fine. Fine. God. Fine. <laughs> There's a different kind of education too, right? There's the education that comes from being around the table and listening to the, the real stories, yes. the, the stories of people who've been there, been through it, have done it, you know, like, and that, that's what my aspiration for, for this is that it's not, it's about bringing your whole self, yes. you know, we spend most of our time in home and work. Yes. And that's like, right. This third place. For a lot of people is church or a place of worship. Yes. Which works for some, but how do we encounter each other beyond our system of beliefs? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and get to just like really learn from each other through conversation because there is book study and then there's, you know, just picking up that thing. Like how many times have you been somewhere and you just like, you grasp that one little nugget Yes, that you needed yes. and you're like, ah. Oh. Put it in your pocket and you and you revisit yeah. it. Yeah, you're yeah. like, whoa! I got the nugget I needed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you said the word before, wisdom keepers, and that's you know, 
I, I always think about people, the elderly in that, in that capacity, because I tell my students all the time, you know, write down, talk to your, the elders in your family, outside of your family, like write these stories down. Again, it's all back to the stories, but, um, you know, I'll give you a personal example. I was yeah. visiting my grandmother the first time I could go visit her after pandemic, right? Yeah. So, um, and I asked her to take me around DC and show me when she came from Italy, I had her take me to every apartment and home that she lived in from her time moving to the, to the United States until now. Again, she's, you know, in her, in her nineties. Um, and I, as we were doing it, she was telling stories. So my mother was driving, my grandmother was in the front and I'm in the back with, you know, these stupid phones. But one good thing is you can tape people talking, Every, right? So yeah. I turned on the recorder and I, because in all these years, I've asked her the stories a million times and I've you know written bits and pieces down, but I don't have her, I don't have her voice telling me that story. Mm. So as we were driving and she was just telling all of the tales from when she was a little girl and when she met my grandfather and this is where her great grandma and here's the the shoe shop that her father opened with his cousin and and i i recorded just little bits and pieces all of it now i have to figure out how to get that into a permanent location but the idea for me was just that number one i wanted the stories recorded so that i could eventually write them down and pass them on but i wanted her voice telling that story right and how do you how do you do that unless you're sitting down with somebody right so like you said at the table not just through a book you can't hear the i love books i mean i like different there is another because there's a uh i think that's where i was like oh i want to be writing and i'm like no because i think there's something in the actual voice that conveys a resonance and i let's circle back when you were talking about like the being in the dark and someone saying that story and you, how do you find your people? Ginsburg. Yeah. I can write them down, but my writing them down will be different, right? Just inherently different. Writing my grandmother's stories, I'm bringing them to a larger audience, but I'm not, it's not authentic mm-hmm. to her voice. And so for me, there was just something I needed to have her telling them. So, and that's why I'm just thinking about what you said yeah. about connecting all these people at table on that we talked about activism before and that's just another yeah. form of it yeah and to me that this is where i've gone this is my activism my activism is one on a mystical level it's an internal one i'm like i want to change the world and you're yeah. like yeah. wait i can't even do 30 sit ups every day <laughs> <laughs> What the hell am I talking about? Let me not try to change the world at all. Let me just like work on me and maybe introduce my friends to each other. Yes. Yes. Which again, like that is, it's, it's, it's the root of everything. That's just, that's the base of everything. Let's get people together, right. And get them talking. Thanks so much for pulling up a seat to La Bufana's table to get episodes sent direct to your inbox as well as other perks such as access to our monthly community and connection hours, be sure to subscribe to my Substack, dinagregory.substack.com. Ciao.